I went with a few friends to the SB Nation house. I want to say it was three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> everybody was having a good time. Meanwhile, Anthony is with a few other people in the kitchen. Adam Modest was there. Uh-huh. Dave Dufour was there. Uh-huh. And they were all just, they looked at you like you were a crazy person talking in the kitchen just because there was this hill you wouldn't die on. And I'm sure it had to do with the end. No, I would. I, yeah. And <laughs> I look over and it was everything I imagined you would be like in person with other people talking basketball around you. It was uh-huh. insane. <laughs> I don't know if it's a bit that you need to keep up around other basketball people but good lord the look they give you was just like dude what the hell are you talking about it was great um you can ask harrison it's not a bit this is how i actually oh boy he always seems to get involved doesn't he i'm telling you too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, my... uh, Are we calling ourselves blood rivals? Like, what are we we calling ourselves here? The the, uh, relationship that you and I have here, Christian. I think it's a little bit of Shaq and Kobe, young, talented writer who just pushes himself every day and, um, (laughs) you know, older, much older, I'll say. Loaded. Uh, Yeah. Other other star player who, uh, you know, just does what he can to get by and uh, is successful anyway. So that's. That's, I think, the best analogy I can use for for the relationship we have. We make it work. That's that's Christian Rivas, and that's the perfect analogy. I'll accept my uh, my couple finals MVPs, though. Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll enjoy those. I uh, I don't know. Judging by our timeline working together, I guess I don't have one yet, but it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It is definitely coming. Um, all right, today on the show. We have some Lakers Summer League basketball to discuss. There's an exciting game that took place uh, last night or uh, Sunday night, if you guys are listening to this a little later in, in the evening or, or on Tuesday or whatever. Uh, we're going to discuss that, a few of the guys on that team to keep an eye out for. And then just in general, I think Christian and I, uh, you know, I, we might have agreed on maybe three times since or three different things, maybe. Uh, since we started working. So we're going to discuss the off season to this point, and I'm sure it'll lead to some fireworks. Um, but yeah, let's, let's start with that summer league team that the Lakers have. And a few of the names on it are, are certainly interesting heading into it. Um, I'm sure everybody wants us to start with Mac McClung because he seems to be the, uh, the Alex Caruso era parent um, because he's a white dude from the same college. So uh, what do you think of McClung so, so far? I think he he's a guy that competes. Um, when you look at NBA skills he has, I think the one that stands out, at least to me so far, is uh, just his high motor, 
And, um, you know, whether or not that's going to land him on an NBA roster this year, I think that is certainly more to work with than somebody that is kind of to <laughs> quote, uh, Lakers legend Byron Scott, both as a player and a coach, uh, lackadaisical. Um, <laughs> yeah, anybody that's just kind of trotting on the court, uh, when you don't have a guaranteed NBA contract is is bad. That's that's a red flag if you're playing in summer league as a rookie and you act like you shouldn't be there. So, uh, that's that's the number one thing to me, but you know, the thing that's because I, I d- knew nothing about Matt McClung before he signed with the Lakers. I saw his high school mixtape that got a good amount of notoriety if for no other reason than he was a white dude that dunked the ball and uh, talked a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing that stood out to me is he's, he's surprisingly good at tracking back and on in, in transition. Like mm-hmm. he stopped a few fast breaks in summer league and uh, obviously had, a few big plays down the stretch during last night's game. So I wouldn't go as far as to say he's the most exciting player or or prospect on the team. Uh, I think there are a few guys that will probably have longer NBA careers than him, but he's certainly a fun player and, and undoubtedly a a fun summer league player. Yeah. The thing to keep in mind when you're talking about Caruso era parents, right? Like if you're, if you're going with the direct and lazy uh, comparison here, it took Caruso like three, four years before he became even a, a a regular NBA player. Like it Mm -hmm. took him a while. And um, the other thing too, is they list McClung at six, two. And um, there's a little bit of Iverson stuff going on there. Where like Iverson was listed at at like six foot six one, but he was five ten at the biggest, right? Kemba Walker gets this too, where he's listed at like six foot ish, but he is he is my height. He's like five ten, and so uh, I was watching McClung last night, and I kind of chuckled because I was like, man, what, what how how tall is this guy listed at? And I look and it's six two. I'm like, <laughs> I don't I don't think he's uh, he's necessarily the full six two. So. Uh, Caruso has a little bit more length, which which certainly helped him become the defender that he became. But that motor stuff that you're talking about, like it was it was fun watching him just kind of attack and attack and attack on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that drove me insane back during the the Tyler Ennis era was that he was like a fringe NBA player. Right. He like, was not the kind of player who should be taking anything lightly. And you would watch him play, and it was just like, where is the passion for the game? Like, this, mm. what is going on here? And so, at least here with McClung, he kind of understands that if he is going to become, uh, or if he is going to play in the NBA, it's going to be because he he outworks everybody every second that he's on the floor. Uh, so that was that was fun to watch. Uh, we'll just go ahead and stay with the uh, popular white guys uh, here. And Austin Reeves is the next one. He hit the shot of the night. Uh, that wound up winning the game here. Uh, he not exactly an athlete is, is, are we going with that one? <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he embodies the Kyle Anderson slow-mo nickname. Uh, but he, I, I think it's better to have a base of somebody that plays the game at a slow pace than it is, uh, you know, somebody that rushes everything, which, yeah. We've seen a little bit with uh, Ayayi, who 
I think was the prospect I was most excited about going yeah. into summer league. And as a player, they picked up as an undrafted free agent, but it seems like that the game has not slowed down for him yet. And he's, he's played a little, um, yeah. And I think Austin Reeves has had the opposite problem. Um, seems he knows that everybody's playing a little nervously and, uh, with how, calculated it seems all of his moves are on offense before he does that his ability to score the ball um he's taking advantage of every mistake that people are making on him uh that's not to say he looks like a star out there like Jalen Green certainly had a more impressive debut uh than Austin Reeves but he is somebody that I'm very excited the Lakers have on a two-way contract I think he's the best player the Lakers have had on a two-way contract in a while. That's no disrespect to Devontae Kaycock. Um, and no real disrespect to Kosa Simmons Kumpo, but he's I mean, he was on the roster for a reason, and yeah, there that reason quickly dissipated and they kept him on anyway. So I'm happy to have like an actual prospect that I'm excited about uh vacating one of those two-way spots. Yeah, I have I I I'm kind of curious here with Reeves as the game does slow down for all the guys around him, how that kind of looks for him. Uh, like you're saying, he he was a lot of it was a lot of guys are running him off the three point line. I kind of want him to I, I want to see him be a more willing shooter and just let it fly versus attacking every single closeout. Mm. I thought he was he was a little too consistent in his decision making process there. I'd like to see him kind of switch it up a little bit. Um, uh, for, for the other reason, like on top of keeping defenses honest, but I just want to see how well he shoots under duress. I want to see how quick that release is and how quickly he can get it, uh, in and out of his hands. Um, so, so that, cause if he is going to work out as an NBA player, like you have to be able to shoot, you, you, you can't be that unathletic and not be able to shoot. And so, uh, we'll, we'll see how that looks. Let's discuss, um, Ayayi though, uh, out of Gonzaga, like you said, probably the most exciting just straight prospect here uh, of the four players that we're going to talk about. And uh, yeah, like you're saying games taking a little while for him to kind of acclimate to acclimate to. And, and I I still though think that if, and when that does come to fruition uh, he's going to look the best over the course of summer league. As soon as that, as soon as that takes place, as soon as, he gets a little bit more comfortable out there and starts to showcase the skills that like a lot of guys, a lot, a lot of people that I follow, a lot of draft Twitter that I follow, we're kind of surprised that he went undrafted. Yeah. I think if you're looking at a silver lining uh, with his 33.3% shooting from the field and 20% shooting from three is there as his shot hasn't been falling, he's shown that he, can impact the game in other ways, uh, which isn't the case for a lot of people with a scoring reputation like him. Mm-hmm. Um, only averaged 12 points per game in his last year at Gonzaga, but he shot 38.9% from three. The appeal there is pretty obvious when you're the Lakers and uh, your point guard is Russell Westbrook. But the, I, I think the scoring will come. I think there are very rare instances of players that were good shooters in college just being flat out bad shooters in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like there are always people that 
don't shoot 42% like they did in their senior season in college, but very rarely are players good shooters in college and straight up bad shooters uh, in the NBA. So I think that'll come around. Anthony Brown. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anthony Anthony Brown. I said, I said there are a few exceptions. (laughs) He is one of them. Yeah. Um, But the fact that, yeah, the fact that he is playmaking and rebounding the ball pretty well, I think is, is a great sign because um, if, if he is going to get minutes this rookie season, which again, I, I would not count on with this guard rotation, it's not going to be because he's, you know, the number one option on offense. It is going to be because he makes open shots and also has to do other things on the, on the floor while, while he's out there. So yeah, I, I agree. Just give it some time. Uh, we'll, we'll know more about him as a prospect as he gets more reps in the G league. Yeah. I, I like the fact that uh, he, he looks annoyed at how he's playing, you know, like, like the shot isn't falling or stuff like that. And, and it's not that he gets down on himself, but you could tell he's kind of frustrated. Like, come on, like, I, you know, I know mm-hmm. I'm better than this. And um, I think there's real value in, in, in somebody who does recognize like, shit, I gotta, I gotta pick it up a little bit here. Um, again, not to keep picking on Ennis, but like he would, he would turn the ball over and it was just like, Oh, whatever. And then like the nth degree example of somebody who might be too hard on, on himself out there on the floor is somebody like Dennis Schroeder, who's like head drops every time he, he turns the ball over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I think I, I, I like a demeanor out there. And I think that the game is going to come back around. I, I, he's another one who I think with all of these guys, there's a tendency to be a little conservative in the decision-making when it comes to pulling the trigger on, on jumpers. I I think they want to, they don't want to be seen as somebody who's forcing their jumper and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, and I think once he feels more comfortable with the the pace of the game and how quickly these guys are being closed out on, um, once he starts feeling more comfortable releasing the shot, I think he'll, he'll, his game will come around. It, it might be an Anthony Brown situation, but it's way too early to, to, to get, discuss that. And the last guy that we're going to talk about here is Devontae Kaycock. He's been in the Lakers organization for a couple of years now. Uh, he's six, seven, which makes it kind of difficult to be a center, uh, but he's still out there trying. What's been interesting though, is that he's kind of tried to turn himself into a pick and pop type shooter uh, as a center out there. And given his size, I think that's the right move. It's just about whether or not he can actually pull that that jumper off. Uh, what have you seen? Have have you liked what you've seen from him thus far in these? Uh, they've played three games, I believe. Yeah, Devontae Kaycock is an interesting prospect, uh, or at least he's had an interesting time with the Lakers because in his rookie season when he was playing with the South Bay Lakers. Towards the end there, it looked like he was really starting to put things together. Like all the flashes that he showed in college of being just a dominant small ball center. Because make no mistake, that is exactly what he was in college. He he was keeping up with other centers in in his conference at the size he was. Um, The biggest question with him was whether or not he was going to be able to defend the perimeter. Because, you know, people talk about small ball centers all the time and and trying to make those lineups work. But a big part in making those lineups work is, you know, being able to defend multiple positions and and switch everything. It's 
part of the reason Montrez Harrell hasn't, you know, blown up yeah. like the the Draymond Green types and why he isn't on a max contract right now. Um, so that's good. That that was the most promising thing to me uh, in his rookie season. And then he just didn't play his sophomore season because yeah. of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing, what we're going to see right now, and I assume during training camp, because I imagine he at least gets a non-guaranteed training camp deal. Um, I think we'll see how much he's grown since then. Uh, granted, it's a little hard to grow when you're not getting reps, but there has to be something he worked on, whether it's a three-point shot or um, you know, being more efficient with those floaters that he likes to go to and those hook shots he likes to go to around the rim. Um, yeah, we'll see what he's got. But I think... You know, right now, I think he's done enough to earn a training camp spot. And with three spots left, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get one of those contracts if for no other reason uh, than the Lakers want to limit spending. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wonder at this point if the Lakers needed a co-signer for their lease at Staples Center. I go wonder. I mean, I... <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> say that much. Um, I, I liked what I saw from Kaycock out there. I, I think he still needs to, like he had a couple unfortunate charges down the stretch of the game. Um, I would like to see him improve his, his lateral movement, on, especially like if you're going to be a small ball center and you're going to be competing against guys who are just bigger than you, you need to be able to be more shifty mm-hmm. than those guys that you're going against. And uh, I, I think offensively, he still has a ways to go um, there, but look, you're talking about somebody who, if he makes a, if he cracks a roster is going to be like the 14th or 15th guy. Right. And like at that, you know, you're, you're going to get a K you're going to have guys like Kaycock on, on various rosters who, you know, they're just trying, they're fighting to stay in the NBA. And look, the one thing I will say about him is, is just like we said with, uh, McClung and, uh, you know, for, for a lot of guys who are really fighting tooth and nail to just stay around the NBA, even he fought like hell last night. Like he clearly wanted that game. And I really enjoyed watching that. Um, well, I I'm, I'm pulling for him. Cause like you said, it, it really was a bummer that he had a, you know, a fairly promising rookie year and then bang, there goes the G league, no G league mm-hmm. whatsoever. And so he, he still, you know, was, was around the Lakers, but with no practice time, didn't have any opportunity to really prove to Frank Vogel that he could get out there on a court. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's in a tough spot right now where he, I don't, he can't be a two-way player for the Lakers this year because you can't be one for more than two seasons. So, you know, if, if he, I wonder, he can probably be a two-way player for a different team though, right? Like I'm, Correct. Yeah. yeah. He, he hasn't reached that. Um... I think it's four year, might yeah. be three or four year uh, NBA experience threshold, but yeah, yeah. So he, he can be a two way for another team. I'll be I'll be pulling for him to at least get a deal like that, get him one more opportunity to be to play in an actual G League, and then maybe come up and play with the parent team from time to time. Um, I'm hoping he at least gets that because the opportunities that he's had at at getting into the NBA thus far have been pretty damn complicated. Um, before we move on to the offseason and, and all of that, before we segue over to that stuff, you are heading off to Vegas. Like you're gonna be, you're gonna be 
going to summer league, right? And uh, I'm kind of curious, like, what are you most looking forward to out there? Um, the land of strippers and cocaine. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, <laughs> not that. I'm getting an Airbnb with a pool. Um, nice. I don't have a pool at my home, so it will be nice to be submerged in water. You need that uh, in Vegas. And then there is a pizza joint I like going to out there uh, that I'm pretty excited to have. So that's mostly. And then if I get a chance, I will go see a game. But um, saying I'm going to summer league is just mostly so my mom doesn't freak out about me renting a house with a bunch of guys in Vegas. Who all, who all are you staying with in Vegas? Uh, just a few guys from from Lakers Twitter. It's going to be like six or seven guys of us. Uh, Jacob or Jacob won't be joining us. He was mm. supposed to, uh, but then he got this damn job with Silver Screen and Roll that uh, he he wants to, you know, put extra focus onto and make sure he hits the ground running. And I'm like, buddy, I went to Vegas. It had to have been my first weekend with the site. And look at me now. I'm prospering. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Maybe next year. I'm I'm bummed I'm not going this year. I'm 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 really bummed that I won't be able to to make it out there. This is the first summer league I've missed in like six or seven years. So um yeah, I'm 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 bummed that I won't be out there. And that's the way to do it though. Like if you're gonna do if you're gonna do Vegas or if you're gonna do summer league, um renting a house with a bunch of other like basketball people, probably staying up till like three or four in the morning talking basketball and nerding out that way. That was always my favorite uh, aspect of, of going there. So hopefully next year I'll be able to, to pull it off. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick second here. When we come back, I want to discuss this offseason that the Lakers had. Um, it's an interesting one, and I'm kind of curious how you're feeling about the team. All right, so the Lakers offseason, I think, like the way that Harrison and I last spoke about this was that it, it's an offseason that in many ways has been evaluated for what it hasn't been. They don't trade for Buddy Heald. They do trade for Russell Westbrook. They don't bring back Alex Caruso. They don't, it doesn't look like they're going to sign and trade Dennis Schroeder. Um, but still, it's an interesting team. It's an interesting roster. And it's, 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 it's an exciting roster, I think. So where are you at here as you look at this team? Do you think they're better worse about the same slightly worse than than they were last year i think they're better at the things they aimed to get better at in the off season um mm -hmm. i've said this on the podcast network before but i think it from from the front office's perspective and maybe even from the ownership perspective to see the lakers just kind of fold offensively in the first round last year when Anthony Davis was out um, had to be a little disheartening for them that they, they really couldn't count on anybody outside of LeBron James when <laughs> their, their whole plan, the off season prior was getting two guys that can carry the load offensively in Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell. I think Dennis Schroeder had a better playoffs than he gets credit for. Um, mm -hmm. I forget what game it was that he played really, really well. Um, but obviously Montrezl Harrell fell out of the rotation by the time the first round uh, came about. And that was even with Anthony Davis out. So in, in, interesting situation. The, the point remains that nobody's nobody stepped up in the first round. Kyle Kuzma, who had been heralded as 
this player who could step up in those moments and had to his credit. Look at look at Kuz's splits as a starter when Anthony Davis was out and and in his first two seasons with the Lakers. Very good. Like this suggests that he can be a starting level player. Wasn't that in the first round? So they went out and got somebody who is that guy in Russell Westbrook. They also got some guys that can shoot the heck out of the ball, which is what you need around Russell Westbrook. And, you know, for those two reasons, if they wanted to be a better offensive team uh, who could make shots at a higher clip, they absolutely did that. Defensively, I think we're all expecting a big drop off. I expected a big drop off last season after they lost Danny Green um, and Avery Bradley to a much lesser extent. And they were still the best defensive team in the NBA. So who knows? I imagine they're not going to be the best team in the defense, uh, the best defensive team in the NBA anymore. But I can't say for certain that they won't be. Uh, I imagine if, <laughs> if they are, though, it won't be easy. Frank Vogel will be tested in ways he's never been tested before. I kind of wonder. I, I don't think they'll be bad defensively. Like, I don't think you can be bad defensively with a Anthony Davis and an even semi-interested LeBron James and then with Frank mm-hmm. Vogel as a coach. Like, so, so I don't think we have to worry about the Lakers being bad defensively. It's just a matter of will the steps that they took back defensively, uh, can they be outvalued by the increase of offensive pro- productivity that they, that they add not just by the way in personnel, you know, cause I think like Russ is a better point guard, I think than Dennis Schroeder, even though Schroeder is, I think, a, I, I, I don't think it's as big of an upgrade as, as some people think. And then, uh, but like just the shooting that surrounds them will make not just the players that are out there hitting shots better, but they're also going to make LeBron. They're going to make Anthony Davis better, which at the end of the day is all that like their, their focus needs to be anyway. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to see that. And then because of the way that the, the roster is put together, it looks like AD is going to be playing more five. And that by itself, like I think last year he played like 8% of his minutes at, at the five and him moving to, even if that's like the 40% that he played uh, the, the year prior or even more, if it goes to closer to a 50, 50 split or even a 60, 40 split in the other direction, um, that right there will by itself make him better, make LeBron better, make uh, Russell Westbrook playable or at least more playable. And, and it, it will just, it will, everything I think will just kind of fit better into place than it did last year when they, than when they were trying to make Andre Drummond and AD work. And when they were trying to uh, see if Mark Gasol could, could carry longer minutes and stuff like that. I think with, with the more, logical center rotation this year and and with that taking place because ad plays more five that by itself probably makes the lakers better this year than last year yeah and i think we also have an excuse that's been taken away from anthony davis and i'm saying i'm not saying it wasn't a valid excuse but the excuse last season was anthony davis wants to spend more time at the four because of the short turnaround all mm-hmm. that beating he's taking at the center position, he can't do the same way he did last season because of how short the offseason was. Again, I am no physical therapist. I don't know how much credence there is to that excuse, um, but there had to have been some reasoning for it. 
I imagine it does switch more over to the 60-40 that we saw in his first season with the Lakers. And, you know, I don't know how much Dwight played with the 76ers last season. I imagine it was close to, you know, 20 minutes per game. Um, I could totally see him getting that amount of minutes with the Lakers this year. Uh, Sorry, I just wanted to double check on that. He played 17.3 minutes per game with the 76ers last season. So could totally see him getting that type of role with the Lakers uh, in his now third stint with the team. Uh, But yeah, I think the Lakers best lineups in the regular season um, will feature Anthony Davis at the center position. And in the past, that's been true. AD at center for the Lakers has been uh, their best lineup. But I think this year, particularly with the personnel they have, the drop-off in talent between their best lineup with AD at center and just their lineups with a regular center, which, again, have been good. Like, prior to last season, and, and even in the playoffs with Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond, those lineups were really successful together. AD and Andre Drummond were successful together. Um, but again, that being said, with, with the amount of versatility that they lost on defense, the best lineup you can put on the floor defensively is going to feature 80 at the five with, God, I don't know. Well, the five, trying to figure out the closing lineup for this team has been oh, yeah, a struggle impossible. for me. It's um, impossible. But I imagine it'll it will include Trevor Reese and Kent Bazemore with uh, Westbrook and LeBron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I that's what I would bet on too. The only thing is, like Ariza is more four than three, and LeBron is also more four than three, and so I'd feel better if they had a natural three who can keep LeBron down there at the four. Uh, but you know. I, okay. The the thing though is LeBron is still a really really good three. Like, oh yeah, yeah. But he's an absolutely world crusher at the four. Yeah, uh, uh, but I think similar to the the eighty at the four versus the five argument. Like, I think it is a difference if the Lakers had a world class uh, i don't know i i watch a lot of, i don't know if that's a term they use in basketball i watch a lot of soccer world class is a term <laughs> they throw around pretty often yeah. um but if they had like an all-star center like a legitimate one not like the andre drummond type all-star center i would have no problem anthony davis playing in the four you would not hear a peep out of me about anthony davis playing the four if they had an actual uh all-star center i feel the same way about you know, if the, I mean, the Lakers do have an all-star four in Anthony Davis, but yeah, I don't know. I think AD and LeBron at the uh, three and four is perfectly fine. Uh, they're, they're closing lineups. AD at the center I'm with. If, if, you, if your compromise is LeBron James and, and Trevor Reza at the three and four in that closing lineup, I think that's a damn good closing lineup. I'm not going to oh, complain yeah. about like, LeBron not being able to move down and play the four because I think assuming Trevor Ariza isn't just completely washed, uh, which we'll see in training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty versatile and will be a lineup that will be successful. 
What are the chances you think Melo takes Ariza's spot in those clinic closing lineups? Because I feel like it's a little higher than we're than we're acknowledging. Maybe. Um, but Frank is a guy who I'm I feel fairly confident about and has earned the benefit of the doubt that if you're not playing defense during crunch time in a game, you're not going to be in the game. And if you're not playing defense, it's because you're just a flamethrower on offense, which is another good problem to have. So I don't think he will be. Um, I'd have to look at how many games he closed for Portland and how much that reputation still gets him on the floor to close games out. But my gut tells me he won't be. Mm. My gut has been wrong before, though. I don't know. I do think if you're going to have Melo on a, on a closing lineup, surrounding him with LeBron and AD is the ideal way to have him in that closing lineup. So it's not something I'm necessarily freaking out about. And it I, will I happen. It, even yeah. if it's not to end games, that the LeBron, Melo, AD lineup will absolutely happen. Yeah. No, I I, I said it when, when Harrison and I discussed it last time, uh, in, I think I was in the lounge, where I think Russ, THT, LeBron, Melo, AD is the lineup that the Lakers most want to work. Like, that's the one that Rob Palenka, Genie Bus, like <laughs> Rich Paul, everybody is the most invested in that lineup working because those are the five players I think right now that the Lakers have uh, the most riding on. So we'll see how that goes. Um, it's exciting, though. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better about the, the roster than I was you know, in the, in the hours immediately after Caruso took off. And I think that's, that was always going to happen because we are all homers to, to a certain extent. So I was always going to be able to convince myself that um, it isn't a, a complete tire fire, the decision-making process, absolute tire fire, but the roster itself, I think can be separated from that. And once you do, it's a, it's a fun, exciting roster. I think there's a lot of guys that fans are really going to enjoy. I don't, th- um, I don't think you can make, I don't think you can say that there is a bad player on the Lakers right now. Depends on if Arisa's washed. Even last season, a little, he was fine. Yeah. In Miami, he was looking a little, little long in the tooth, is what I'll say. Yeah. But so. bad? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you can say it. that. And that's a good thing. I, don't, I mean, we'll see if Jared Dudley resigns again. I don't think he's bad, but I just haven't seen <laughs> him play a in a player. while. Like, we, yeah. <laughs> We aren't in. Right. He's a That's one. The other thing pitcher. is, you're not going to analyze him as. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> He's an assistant coach who gets paid a lot more than assistant coaches. Um. All right, that's going to do it for this thing. I'm going to go ahead. When are you uh, when are you heading out to Vegas? I'm I'm excited for you. I'm going to live vicariously through you. Yeah, I don't Although have. Well, you would drink. You would drink don't a lot less Texas. than I than I I would have been drinking if I if I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great trip, bud. Um, enjoy it. Uh, fire off a couple hot takes. I'm going to text you different hot takes to to give to the room that you're sitting in just to see what the reactions would be. Oh, okay. God. Oh, my before we go, I just want to say <laughs> I went with a few friends to the SB Nation house. I want to say it was three years ago now. <laughs> and everybody was having a good time. Meanwhile, Anthony is with a few other people in the kitchen. Adam Modest was there. Uh-huh. Dave Dufour was there. Uh-huh. And they were all just, 
they looked at you like you were a crazy person talking in the kitchen just because there was this hill you wouldn't die on. And I'm sure it had to do with the end. No, I would. I, yeah. And <laughs> I look over and it was everything I imagined you would be like in person with other people talking basketball around you. It was uh-huh. insane. I don't know if it's a bit that you need to keep up around other basketball people, but good Lord, the look they give you was just like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? It was great. Um, You can ask Harrison. It's not a bit. This is how I actually am. He's known me for the longest. Um, I I forgot. We got it. We end all of my Anthony Irwin shows on uh, your most embarrassing sports moment. Do you have one off the top of your head? Um, my most playing sports. Yeah. Like your most embarrassing athletic moment. Oh man. There are quite a few. Um, one time I, when I was playing soccer, I went to rush the goalie, uh, cause we were down like three to two and we really needed a goal. So I went to rush the goalie and usually what a goalie does is like, he'll fake it and then move his body and then kick it out. Mm-hmm. This goalie, as I was rushing towards him, just kicked it directly at me, kicked the ball directly at me. It bounced off of my knee and went directly into the net. And we lost the game four to two. Wait, hold on. You so you scored. Yeah, and uh hold on. No. Was it my keeper? Anyway, (laughs) the point is. I did. I, we lost the game four to two because I rushed the keeper. It was all bad. And uh, <laughs> I'm just picturing young Christian just sprinting the wrong direction. Your goalie being so thrown off because he thinks he's getting help and he kicks it at you and it goes off of you for an own goal for, to, to lose four to. Yeah, I actually I want to text somebody from that team and ask him what the exact story is, because uh yeah, that makes no sense. Why was I rushing at my keeper? <laughs> that makes it even more embarrassing, right? Yeah. The fact that you, maybe you were concussed and he hit the ball and it hit you in the head. And now you can't remember what happened. I just think we weren't. I was probably asking for the ball in the box to like mm-hmm. play it down the wing. Yeah. And he did his own thing because we didn't get along particularly well. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was stupid. All right. Well. We got to do some investigative uh, investigative journalism here to figure out what happened on that play. And next time you're on the show, we'll we'll hopefully clarify how it is that you scored on your own. <laughs> yeah, I'll have an update <laughs> for sure. All right, thank you very much. Have a safe trip, man. Have a great trip, and uh, and we'll talk to you. Um, well, I'll talk to you probably like once an hour, shooting you texts about what it takes to give. Okay. <laughs> but we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>